Welcome to Money Isn't Scary, a podcast for women to explore our fears around money and inspire each other to be financially empowered. I'm Megan Dwyer, and I'm making it my personal mission to remove the taboo around money and help women rewrite their stories so they can stop staying small and begin to live life on their terms. In this show, we get real and uncomfortable as we unpack our beliefs, thoughts, and behaviors that aren't serving us anymore. I can't wait for you to join me on this journey. So let's dive in. Hi, you guys. Welcome to today's episode of the Money Isn't Scary podcast. Today on the show, I'm sharing my conversation with Jackie Godine. This conversation was so fun and so real. Jackie is somebody that you just feel instantly comfortable with and want to share your stories with. She's warm and supportive and wants women to truly understand that they're not alone in this. Okay, so who is Jackie? Jackie Gadeen is a coach, co-host of the podcast Make Your Life Magnificent, and co-founder and chief strategy officer of The Resting Mind, a personal development and mental health company for Gen X women. The Resting Mind teaches techniques to close the gap between your conscious mind, what you want to achieve, and your subconscious settings, so your beliefs, habits, and patterns. Her nickname is the Jack Russell of humans. She's optimistic, high energy, and when she wants something, she sinks her teeth and doesn't let go. Jackie is a certified life coach and trained at the Goal Imagery Institute specializing in neuroscience and positive psychology. She's a TEDx talk presenter and has been featured on Today with Hoda and Jenna, Business Insider, and is a VIP expert at Fairy God Boss. In our conversation, we talk about the challenges that Gen X women are facing, managing competing demands, having it all, mid-career transitions or pivots, how to help women to no longer just blend in and instead own their own voice, the confidence gap and how acknowledging our accomplishments no matter what size can help us fight the mean girl in our heads, how paying attention to the good can help you manage fight or flight, the power of choice on moving away from autopilot, how creating small goals can help you close the gap between what you want and what you believe you can get. The concept of energy plotting and how it can help you be more productive throughout the day. How comparison and reference points affect our, our overall happiness. And how important it is to figure out what makes us happy and the need to be intentional about not letting life unfold for us. You guys can follow Jackie at www.therestingmind.com and you can follow her also on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. All right, you guys, I hope you enjoy. Here we go. Hi, Jackie. Welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. I am so excited and honored to be talking with you today. Thank you so much for being here. Megan, thank you for having me on this podcast. I love your mission and I love this idea of making money less scary to talk about, to embrace, and really get rid of that scarcity mindset. So this is just right up my alley. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so I want to start by having you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your mission in the world. Wonderful. So my name's Jackie Gadeen, and I am the co-founder of an organization called The Resting Mind. And The Resting Mind was started with me and my business partner because we recognized that Gen X women were not actually being acknowledged or embraced in the corporate world. And we feel really empowered and want to empower women to know, own, articulate, 
and negotiate their worth. And oftentimes they get, they hit 40 and they wake up and they say, is this it? And we want to get as many of them waking up and saying, this is it. So everything we do is from that lens. We are business strategists. So we work with solopreneurs and entrepreneurs to build their businesses. And we also work with high achieving Gen X women in their careers. Those that want to keep advancing, who have felt that they aren't where they want to be or they want to keep going and we want to help them get there. And we just, I feel very lucky to be able to do this with so many incredible women and also to be able to kind of shift the dialogue around uh, the 40 plus conversation because too often they, women hit 40 and they're thought of as too old or um, ageism steps in and, and a lot of them are leaving corporate because of it. So we want to be there to help them no matter what path they take. That's amazing. And I, I also think that that's so, that particular niche of, of women 40 to what, 55, something like that. I think that's also such an important group of people because you're at a point where you're mid to late career and you very well could be confused on where you are, what, what you were doing, what you want to be doing. And there's a lot of mindset stuff that comes into play if, you know, maybe things weren't going as you ever intended at that point too. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that, how you work with women and, and maybe some of the mindset stuff that, that you see with your clients when you're, when you're initially working with them. I love that question. So thank you for asking it. There's a couple of big things that come up and some of them are mid-career issues and some of them are Gen X issues. So some of the mid-career issues are that women specifically tend to let life unfold for them. So instead of purposefully deciding with intention what they want their career to look like, they kind of have let the world dictate what that looks like. Oh, I'm supposed to come out. I'm supposed to go to college. I'm supposed to get a job. I'm supposed yep. to get married. I'm supposed to, right? So all of those I shoulds and supposed tos come up. And so then they get to 40 and they're like, I'm just not fulfilled or not happy or sad or anxious. And all of these other emotions come bubbling up. So one of the things that we're always talking about is really getting people to recognize that the work has to start within because changing your job isn't going to make you happy. Blowing up your marriage isn't going to make you happy, right? Really figuring out what makes you happy and then intentionally deciding what that looks like moving forward is a, is a big thing that we do. The other big mindset, which is super interesting, is this latchkey kid. So we grew up with, with parents that were both working. We grew up going home and being to our own devices for, for days and days and hours and hours, right? And then we get into this world and our parents were like, you know, uh, you have to work really hard. You have to be the first one in, last one out. We grew up with like, oh, if you do really well, you just get on the honor roll. You just get on the soccer team. You, you know, all you have to do is work hard and then you get into corporate and working hard is just getting on the field. It has nothing to do with how well you play. So where the workhorse is sitting in the background and we're, why aren't we getting promoted? Um, I'm not rocking the boat. I'm being, I'm being 
tremendously um, collaborative, but the problem is they're not sticking out. They're not voicing their opinion. They're not telling people what they want or what they need. They're assuming that they're just gonna be tapped on the shoulder. And that assumption has kept this entire generation back. So a big piece of what we do when we work with Gen X women is we get them to, and I said this in the beginning, know and articulate their worth. So we call it like, um, I wrote an article for Thrive Global. It's like the Gen X, Gen X, stop blending in. You know, we don't want to be the blend generation anymore, wearing black, um, sitting in the background, quiet at the meetings. Like it's time for you to own your voice and to know what your voice stands for. So it's an, I don't want to say empowering, but it's just about getting comfortable with who you are and what your position is and recognizing that confidence is not arrogance. And those are two different things. So that's a lot of the mindset we work with. It's so in alignment with the work that I do and my mission with this podcast. And, and um, you know, my intention is to look at this stuff through the lens of money, but it's the same general concepts of women not finding their voice. And that was my own issues myself that I had. I was so scared. I was so nervous to put myself out in the world. And because of that, that was keeping me small. I was keeping all this stuff inside me and I wasn't getting it out, even though I know that that it can help and and affect and potentially change other women too if I can if I voice my own feelings and thoughts. So there's so many parallels I feel like there. Um, and the same thing with the worth. Also, I just did a, did an episode on on worth and how I think women in general, we struggle. We feel like we are, we do an okay job, but we may not do a great job. So is it, 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 you know, we're not like you just said, we know we might be those people in the office with our heads down, trying not to rock the boat, but we're doing a good job, but we really don't truly know our worth enough to be able to, to stand up for it and stand up for ourselves and put ourselves out there. Um, and I think that there's so many, there's so many parallels. There's so many interesting kind of underlying threads around all of the same kind of general topics. You know, it's funny you said the know your worth thing because, um, you know, the other part of our business I mentioned is helping entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, like coaches and consultants and social media strategists really build their business. And there's, there are a couple of places they always get stuck. And one of the biggest is asking for the money. So, you know, they, they're, 40 and they decide that they're stepping off their big career and going to start their own business. And usually it's, you start a business that you're really passionate about. So you're coaching about health or you love social media and you want to be a social media strategist. So you're like, well, I'm, I'm helping other people. If I'm of service, how do I ask for money? And really that mindset of, you know, they'll go on a consult. We just did a, a training yesterday about how to have a consultation that closes, but they'll go on a consultation and they'll, give everything during this discovery call and then do this and then do this and then do this. And the person walks away with so much information. They don't ever have to buy anything. And then they're even afraid to say like, Hey, here's how you can work with me. So they'll wait to like, and just send an email because they're just so uncomfortable talking about money. And it is holding women back from being the successful entrepreneurs that they need to be. So a lot of that work is um, getting them to recognize that if you want to be of service, the more you get paid, the more you can be of service because you can continue that path. Right? It's the whole concept of abundance, right? Like what you put out into the world is what you get back. And, and um, I was just listening to a podcast the other day myself, and 
it was a direct quote from Mother Teresa herself that you need a checkbook to, to change the world. But I think there's so much negativity and um, just, I, I don't know, just really bad thoughts that people have around money. They think that there's judgments around it, the more that you have, but the more that you have, the more that you can give, the more you can do with it. So there's, that's certainly a mindset thing that I think um, is important for people to recognize and be aware of if they have it. Um, And the two stories that we're telling ourselves. Um, You talked a little bit, you just mentioned, and I think it ties in nicely to this concept of kind of imposter syndrome and confidence. And um, I know those are things that are really difficult for women, myself included. And I'd love to talk about um, why you think that that's the case, first of all. And I think I know where you're going to go with that. But also, what are some of the ways that you work with clients in order to help them to be able to change those mindsets and increase their confidence? Well, the confidence gap, you know, that's scientifically proven, just women are less confident than men. And um, the imposter comes up because we hold on to our negativity bias. And just naturally, it's what our brain does. And we don't take enough time to recognize our accomplishments and hold on to those to rewrite and rewire our brain so that when we are on autopilot, it pulls from there. So a lot of the work that we have clients do is to really start acknowledging every single one of their accomplishments, big and small. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, like, we'll, I'll work with them and I'll say, okay, tell me what you accomplished this week. And they're like, I didn't, well, uh, I was like, no, no, think about it. What'd you accomplish? And all of a sudden they start rattling these things off. And they're like, God, I didn't even stop to think about it because especially as women, we're like, this is my checklist and I'm supposed to do this, right? This is the, again, um, showing up in hard work is just the, you know, the entry point into what we do. And it's so much more than that. So we need to acknowledge those. The other thing, one of the greatest little tricks and tools that we teach is um, when you have an imposter is that you name her, name her something different. A lot of we're Gen X, you know, I work with a lot of Gen X women. A lot of them call her Heather because of the movie Heathers. So they'll be like, you know what, Heather, you don't need to be the mean girl. I totally got this. Or, um, you know, or if when something comes up and, the, the negative voice, like you can't really do this. Are you good enough? You just say, Heather, I'm, I know that I can trust my capabilities, that if I don't know exactly what to do, I can figure it out, right? Really changing that dialogue. You don't have to be an expert. Women tend to want to be an expert in anything, everything, as opposed to recognizing I am capable of figuring it out. And if you could just shift that mindset from, I need to know it all to I can figure it out, it opens up the world in such a beautiful way. It's awesome because, yeah, I mean, I, I think I totally agree with you. And um, what it's doing is giving this a different name allows it to take it away from you. It takes the onus off of you. So you are not that voice. Yeah. Um, and I, I've heard, you know, I love to learn a little bit about brain science. I'm kind of a nerd for that stuff, but I do know know enough. I don't know enough at all, but I do know that the brain is hardwired for the negative because it's, it it goes back to like those primal days as humans. And we're trying to protect ourselves. So we're actually like forcing ourselves, like, like the brain wants to stay small because it's protecting you. It's keeping you safe. 
And, um, but is that really the way to live a prosperous, happy, fulfilling life? No, not in 2021. <laughs> nope. right? no. So it's, it takes active work and choices in order to, to move away from that. And, and so I think like you, to your point, naming it is one simple and easy way to do that. And another thing you mentioned was about, um, you know, recognizing your accomplishments, big and small. So I, I did this coaching program last year. And one of the things that I loved about it is there was some, you know, every week at the end of the week, you had to check in and you had to say, um, what was your accomplishment for this week? Could have been professional, could be personal, whatever it is. And there was days I struggled with doing it because in my mind, I always kind of view the world as black and white. It has to be something really big or it's nothing at all. Right. And so it took me a really long time in order to realize that like, it can be something little, something as little as like saying no, <laughs> which is also therefore saying yes to something else, but saying, you know, if somebody wants you to, to do something and you're just like, no, I don't feel like it. It's set, maybe setting boundaries in a small way, or it, it, who knows what it, what it could be, but something very little eating, eating healthy for a day. Right. <laughs> That's exactly uh, right. So it's those little things. And I think that we forget about it. And a lot of us as women, we tend to just kind of brush that stuff off, but those are the little things that add up to big things over time. And I think those are what it, being intentional about those little things is really the key to shifting our mindset over time. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not a flip of a switch. No. And one of the things that we've found is that our, because our brain is so set to the negative, right. And it can't differentiate um, your boss sending you an email saying, I have a meeting with you getting chased by a tiger, right? Our brain reacts the same way. It goes into that same fight or flight. So we want to kind of bring our brain down, get ourselves to calm down and not get triggered. And one of the things that you can do is by you know, finding more and more ways to acknowledge the good. And our brains love visual cues. It is something everybody should be thinking about. So one of the greatest little hacks that you can do is uh, write down all of your accomplishments on colorful post-it notes. If I showed you, I'm, I don't want to pull it out because I'll make a noise and your podcasters can't hear it, but I have post-it notes. I, my, my wall, every Monday I set up my calendar and it's actually a post-it note calendar. So as opposed to using a calendar, I put every task I want to do on post-it notes and every day represents a different color. And my post-it notes are all different shapes, stars and arrows and um, circles and all this fun stuff. But as you accomplish everything, you take it and you fold it and you put it in a clear jar. And by the end of the week, you see a physical accumulation of all of your accomplishments. So as you're feeling like, I feel really yucky, you really like, wait a second, I made that phone call to Verizon that I've been putting off for a week because I needed to change my Wi-Fi, or I got that project off my desk, or I was able to get to the gym today, whatever that looks like. And all of a sudden you, you go from feeling unaccomplished because we're women and it's what we do. We're naturally set to say, what, what didn't I do instead of what I did do? And this jar is colorful and beautiful and it sits there and it's, it, it actually physically creates a reaction. Um, you get a dopamine rush every time you do that. And when you get a dopamine rush, your brain wants to achieve more. So these small little tricks that you can do to kind of create these new habits can have lasting impact on the brain. You know, science used to think that the brain was done, right? At 23, you can't change your brain, but we have such neuroplasticity that it's wonderful news. What you, who you are today, we're not the old dog that can't 
you know, get, learn new tricks, you can change everything. It just takes repetition and habit and conscious awareness and conscious thought. And the more you can bring yourself out of, you know, subconscious autopilot behaviors, the more you can make change. That's so awesome. I love the colored post-it note jar thing. I'm literally picturing my three-year-old like seeing that jar and naming all the different colors because he thinks in colors. That's how his yeah. brain works right now. But it's also, I just love that idea of like, look at all the stuff I did this week. Yeah, it's good. Um, half the time at the end of the day, I'm just like, I don't even know what I did today. I have yeah. no idea. <laughs> and I, yes. and I know alone. A lot of women do that too. So, um, but what's really powerful about one of the other things that you just said was that it's so important to know for women to know that, that everything is a choice, the way that we're thinking and the way, if we get out of bed in the morning and we're on autopilot, that is a choice. It doesn't have to be that way. And we have the power to change our, those, those thoughts. Um, Maybe you could talk a little bit more about that and just how you work with women around potentially moving out of autopilot and into yeah. being intentional with your diet. You know, one of the one of the things we always want to think about. I, th- I think it changing your thoughts sounds like oh, that makes so much sense, but often we don't even recognize that our thoughts are what's driving us. So getting really deep around that. So there's there's a um, a list of what we call rapid fire mindset questions that we ask clients so we can see where their level set. So things like, um, I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. If, if I was, uh, if I had extreme success in my career, the people around me would think blank. And then you have them answer rapid fire or um, I, I would be extremely successful in my career, except for blank. So now you can understand those thoughts, those feelings, those emotions that are holding you back and really be able to say, well, what, what's, what is that about? Why am I feeling this way? What is it that's the belief that helps me do that? And then try to replace those every single day. So it's about then once you uncover it, you make those conscious changes because women especially just don't give ourselves a break, right? We grew up with, you know, you can have it all. And we've kind of morphed that mantra into, which means doing it all to maintain it all, right? They forget that, you don't have to do everything and maintain everything to have it all. And you get to define what your all looks like. I was and just going to say, what does having it all even mean? Right? Yes. Different for everybody. And yeah. for some people that could mean, you know, being high up in a corporate job for some people that could mean, you know, working for yourself. It's just, it's, and, and we don't know that in time tells. Yeah. And when, so when you're making, when you're feeling a certain way, you really need to stop and pause, like what's driving this feeling. Now, instead of most of us are on autopilot, most of us automate to a action or a reaction based on what we had done before. And if you can bring yourself into awareness, and a lot of times when you work, when you're working on trying to bring yourself to awareness, even if you just put a timer on your phone or your clock for every hour, and have it randomly go off. And whatever you're doing, you stop and you bring yourself to awareness. You will not real, you'll you'll be like, oh my God, I feel like I don't even know what I did this last hour. I can't even tell you what I intentionally did this last hour. And you start by doing that because then you start automatically stopping and pausing and thinking, but it's just a small way to bring you from that 
you know, 95% of our day is run on autopilot. 95%, that's insane, right? So, and that's for the most aware person. So we want to make sure, you know, everything we do with the resting mind is based in science, brain science and energy, because the resting mind actually is a sentiment that, uh, that represents the subconscious mind. So you're always going to have things that drop your consciousness, right? That drop your energy level. But we want to make your subconscious mind super strong so that when you drop, you bounce back and where your level set is higher than where it was when you first started working with us. Because we, it, it is how we run our day. And there is always a gap between what you consciously want and what you where your subconscious settings are. And that's, that cognitive dissonance is what keeps you from being able to achieve it. So if you said, hey, I mean, you're skinny, so I'm going to throw this out there. Um, you, I need to lose 20 pounds because we know that you don't need to lose 20 pounds. Um, but if you said, I need to lose 20 pounds to yourself, your brain will go to like, you haven't been that weight since college. You, you know, you don't have time to exercise. Um, you're always eating the kids' chicken nuggets. It automatically goes to all those things that that are um, embedded in why you can't achieve it. So instead of creating these big lofty goals for yourself that creates this dissonance between reality and what you want and what your brain believes you can get, you want to kind of achieve, you want to just set small goals. So instead of that, you're just like, I just want to lose a pound. That's all. I just want to lose a pound. It's achievable. Your brain can get around it. Then you lose that pound. And then you're like, I just wanted to lose another pound. And ultimately you can get to your goal, but you really need to to bring, um, to close that gap between what you want and what you believe you can get and what's that, what's the embedded in you. And when, you know, you're, you're all about money and money mindset, a lot of women believe that they can't have money. They, that there is, it is not possible. You know, how many teachers will say like, well, I can't have, make any more money because I'm a teacher. Well, that's because that's how you're thinking. There are other ways to do that, right? So it's- you have on yourself. Yeah, it's, fa it's fascinating when we really understand how powerful the brain is, how much of that um, aligns with the energy we put into the world, right? Where this is, this is not woo-woo law of attraction, but this is, you know, physics, right? We are all matter and energy and we attract like energy. So if we're putting in the world that we can only get X, we're only going to get X. So opening yourself up being open to that energy, being in alignment with your energy and your brain, it's, it's like the world opens up in a way that you're like, I can't believe how powerful I am as a human. And that's what that's about when you're connecting with the universe. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think this stuff is so fascinating. Um, so speaking of energy, I know um, one of the tools that you use with your clients is called energy plotting. Um, and, and that is, I'll have you talk a little bit more about it, but it's basically kind of creating the day based on these natural rhythms. And, um, the idea of it is, is how to be able to be more productive throughout the day. I've talked about something like this before on the show, just how to kind of flow with the day and really in, in the, the theme of letting go of control. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm wondering if that's what you mean. And if you can talk a little bit more about how you coach women around, being more in, in flow with, with yourself during the day. Yeah, that's a great, it's a great analogy and comparison. Um, women, yes, are very much in control. Uh, so it, it goes a little bit with that, but it really more is in alignment with this idea that we as humans tend to put off the stuff that we don't like to do 
obviously procrastination. Yeah. However, we tend to put it off to parts of our day when, when our energy is really low. So what energy plotting is, is we work with clients to plot literally their energy levels for two weeks. And we'll, you'll see rhythms and patterns. So we have them put a calendar together. We have these calendars we send them and every two hours from Monday through Sunday or Monday through Friday, if you just want to do it during the week, you um, count like on a scale of zero to 10, how is my energy at 6 a.m. on Monday, 8 a.m. on Monday, 10 a.m. and every single day. And what you'll find after two weeks are there are times of the day where your energy is highest and there are, t- and there are days of the week that your energy is highest. So interesting, fun fact from just our clients, the most high achieving women are high energy Monday morning. Um, women who are not high achievers, type A's, hate Monday mornings. They have very low energy. Interesting. So, so just based on some of their personalities, but well, then what you do is you, after you know your energy, you then take all of your tasks for a week. And what we tend to do is we tend as humans to say, I, oh my gosh, I'm feeling really good. It's Monday morning. I'm going to write all my copy for the week because I love writing copy. And then it's three o'clock in the afternoon. You're like, oh, I got to do my finances. I don't like finances. I know you do, but a lot of women don't, right? <laughs> and so they wait till their lowest energy point. And so it drags your energy down. So if you flip flop that and you plot in the tasks that are hardest, when you have your highest energy, you will have enough energy to get through the task quicker. And then when you plot the tasks that you love and that are easier for you, when your energy is low, it naturally brings up your energy because you enjoy doing it. It sounds so like, duh, most people don't do this and they don't do it with intention. So when you flip flop that day that way, it opens up the way you show up and how much you can get done. And what's so exciting is, is um, we actually have, we're doing a something called the Entrepreneur Academy, which is a 12 week program. It's week by week with our, with clients, a group coaching program and helping them really to grow their business because a lot of solopreneurs just get stuck in some of those areas I talked about earlier. Um, one of the weeks that we're doing is completely on the science of productivity and, and a reporter wants to come in and sit on that week because she's like, I need to understand about energy plotting and wants to do a whole article on it because she started doing it and couldn't believe how much it changed the way she showed up every week. So it's it sounds so simple, but if you intentionally plot your week based on how your energies are and put tasks in alignment, it can create more flow. It can create more productivity and it allows you to feel like you are accomplishing enough without feeling like everything is so difficult. So a question from someone who's been in the corporate world for a while, what if you I get that you can kind of, you've got personal tasks, stuff from home and and you've got your job, but what if you work for somebody and like they, you know, you, or you have clients and they can only meet on certain days and you have to be, you, you kind of can't plan your schedule around your most productive times based on your body and who you are. What, what do you do then? So a lot of times that um, there are things that are just out of our, our, um, abilities to change. So if, so a couple of things, one is if you have things that can't be moved, you want to make sure that what you're doing before that is one of your energy boosting tactics, right? So our bodies um, follow something called the L-tradian rhythm, which is um, 90 
minutes of very heavy thought work. And after that, our productivity diminishes rapidly because our prefrontal cortex gets exhausted. So before one of those meetings, if it's in a slot, if you don't like client work and it's in a slot where you're low energy, then you want to take the 20 minutes before to do something that boosts your energy back up. Some people it's um, taking a quick spinner, you know, walk up and down the block. Some people it's uh, walking away from the desk, having a cup of tea. Some people it's diffusing quietly, diffusing some essential oils, whatever that works for you, but 20 minutes before, and it'll, it'll boost up your energy, but there's, what people don't realize they have more control on their day than they think, right? So they're like, oh, my one-on-one with my boss, I'm gonna, or I'm gonna set up my one-on-ones with my team. Well, do you like doing one-on-ones or do you not like doing one-on-ones, right? Or I have this really important project that I'm working on. Okay, well then don't slot it at three o'clock. Make sure that you get, if your high energy time is 10 o'clock and you know that it's a difficult project, you're gonna do it at 10 o'clock. And you're gonna say no to any meeting in that slot unless you absolutely have to be on there because I need to say yes to this project. Too many women say yes because they're afraid to say no, right? Do I need to be in this meeting or is it a nice thing to be in this meeting or can I be debriefed at the end of this meeting? And 70% of the time, people don't need to be in the meeting. 70% of the time, people like to be in the meeting because it's a status thing. You know, ladies, I know you don't want to hear this, but it's true, right? So there's this status to being included in meetings. So we get to control the intention and how our weeks go much more than we give ourselves credit for. Yeah. And I I think this is like a really good um, transition kind of into the next question I was going to ask you, because this is all about intentionality, right? And and also understanding ourselves enough, being like tuning into ourselves. And there's so many times that we've probably just gone through our day and we've never questioned what we like to do. If do we like client work, like what aspects of our job do we like when you say like, how's the job going? Do you like your job? Like that's so vague. I feel like, yeah, I like it, but there's definitely things I don't like about it. And what is that? And and a lot of times we don't question that for us and we, without making judgments, I think like, oh, maybe I don't, I just, we just say, instead of, I don't like this, it's, I'm not good at this. This is something that I don't do uh, or I don't do well. And so I think it's, um, it's really just kind of getting in alignment with that. And, and this goes back to, I, I want to dive in a, for a few minutes on um, something you mentioned earlier with um, happiness and, you know, being, being intentional about what makes us happy. So I think the first thing is identifying what that is, but then also I want to talk a little bit more about happiness in general with you and, and just how, um, there's been so much going on in the world and how has that affected women and how we approach the world? And I know you, one of the tools you use is reference points. So I'd like to, to talk a little bit about that as well. Yeah. You know, um, I, I last summer, last during the COVID, I took uh, the science of well-being course from Harvard, uh, excuse me, Yale, she'll get mad if I say Yale, Harvard. I have um, always wanted to do that. It's fascinating. It's awesome. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, it's a lot of work, but it's definitely, definitely worth it. And it's fascinating. And she talks a lot about reference points and we do a lot of training with clients and it kind of goes with comparison, but This she uses the professor uses this example that is so brilliant. There was um, a researcher who was watching the Olympics and he noticed this trend this one year where 
the person who had gold was like, yeah, big smile, really excited. The person who had bronze was big smile. And the person who won silver had like this smirk on his face. And he did it. He was like, this is weird. And he started looking, men, women, it didn't matter, across all of these Olympic games, um, past and current. And there was this, this trend where the silver was always smirking and not really thrilled. I mean, he won silver second place. The bronze winner was more excited. And what came out of that and what the discovery was is because the reference points were so different. So obviously gold was thrilled because he's first place. Bronze was thrilled because he was fractions of a second from not placing. But Silver was not happy because all he could think about was how he was fractions of a second from not winning gold. Interesting. So that's the reference point. So with we as people, as humans, we often compare ourselves, but we need to check our reference point. So who are we comparing ourselves to? So if you said to me, I'm a financial planner and I've been doing this for 10 years. And you're like, but I'm really frustrated because Karen and Michael and Andrew have three times the amount of business that I have. But Karen, Michael and Andrew have been doing this for 25 years, right? You're, you have to make sure your reference point, who you're comparing yourself to is in alignment with where you are. And, um, and then, so instead your reference point should be slightly higher than you. So it kind of, pushes you to succeed without it being so vast. And the other thing about reference points, it kind of goes back to your comparison um, episode in the Joneses episode that you did, which is when we, you might pull in with your brand new car. So you're like, oh, I love my brand new Hyundai Sonata, you know, right. And then you're, then three weeks later, your neighbor pulls in with a brand new BMW X5. And all of a sudden you're like, my Hyundai, uh, like, not feeling so great about your buy because your reference point is their car. So we need, as humans, we need to be really careful if we want to be happy to question what are we, what is the reference point? Why am I changing the way that I value worth based on somebody else's value of worth, right? We talked about this before we started this conversation, before we started recording, we were bantering, right? When being in Manhattan, when I was in the city, how my reference point was like, They've got a Louis Vuitton bag. I work really hard. Why don't I have a Louis Vuitton bag? So, right. And I, and then you think it's going to make you happy. And fascinating enough is things don't make you happy. There's a bump in your happiness when you buy something, but actually your set point goes down from where it started. So if think of it as a graph, you start maybe at point, you know, your happiness is a scale of three. You buy something and you go up to a 10, but when you drop, you drop to a two because you realize very quickly that you weren't happy, that didn't make you happy for long and you drop further down. So really careful about that. Yeah. It's a temporary thrill. I talk about that a lot of times. I say that about like, there's a thrill of getting something on sale. We were mentioning this also, like I have to buy this because it's on sale. Like look how cheap it is. I, I, it's, it's like, but then it just sits in your closet. Like, and you never, you don't actually need it or want it in the first place, but it's that thrill. And so you walk out of the store, like, look what I just got on sale. But Again, it drops off immediately. And I, I talk about that a lot. Sometimes like on my trips to Target, sometimes like I get so excited that I look what I, look at all the stuff I got and then I get home and I'm like, why did I buy that? Like, <laughs> I'm not going to use that. What is that for? You right. 
It's, it's exactly right. And we do that as humans because we, you know, we're a lot of times it's one of our self-medicating things, right? To buy stuff to fill a hole. So happiness really comes from our experiences and it comes from um, recognizing and doing good, like doing for others ups our happiness, um, watching our reference points, choosing experiences and getting and quite meditation and journal journaling actually changes. And you know this from um, just being the study or doing the study of mindfulness changes the gray matter in our brain. So if we want to increase happiness, journaling and meditating, um, even, even adult coloring where you're just doing that all changes, it gives, puts our brain in a, in a meditative state. It's really powerful. Again, like I said, it seems so silly sometimes because these don't come naturally to us, but we were trained to, to do that. That's the culture that we were brought up in. But it really does. It helps you to just like connect with yourself again. Like you got, like, it's like things get quiet. The brain starts to get quiet because it's always chattering. Right. And it never stops for me anyway. And, uh, being able to do that, it's like, Oh, okay. Like I feel, I kind of, things feel clearer now Mm -hmm. when I have like a couple minutes like that, or I'm just, you know, breathing or whatever it is that I can just kind of focus on like, okay, I'm still here. I'm a living, breathing, person and it's not all in my head and unstimulated. I mean, think about the last time you went to a store target and you had to wait online. If you didn't pull out your phone, most people oh, pull out their phone because they cannot stay unstimulated. And it's become this stimulated culture where even if you go to meditate or try to meditate, you, if you haven't, if you don't have a meditative practice, you're going to start getting uncomfortable and you're going to have to fight your discomfort of sitting still because you're going to want to come out of that meditative state. So it's, it's fascinating how we've over, over stimulated our brains in a way that actually being quiet with ourselves is near impossible. Yeah. It's so interesting when you say that I'm definitely going to notice now the next time I go to a store, I know I do it. I definitely do. It's like just a default mechanism. Like you just don't, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm here. I'm going to be here for another 10, 15 minutes in line. Like, what do I do? Let's give myself like, let's distract myself. But yeah, it's, it's so interesting how just human nature. Yeah, there was, there was, I read, I listened to a, I don't know if it was a podcast or a meditative walk. It might've been a meditative walk um, recently. And it was so interesting because what they said to do was, um, to listen, but to pick an item, go on your walk and then start looking for an item. So it could have been like, I did, I ended up doing a basketball hoop. So you just walk and you look for basketball hoops. And what it does is it makes you really aware, bring awareness to your surroundings versus just walking and thinking about what's going on in your day or listening to a podcast and trying to work something out. It, it brings you into a more meditative state and unstimulated except for visual cues. So all of these little tricks that we, if you just incorporated a couple or one a day, it can really um, kind of bring you back down to a more calm state and a more uh, related state to yourself. And then it has trickle effects too, right? I mean, if when you're in a calm state, you go back to work, you're likely going to be more productive. You're more, at least you have a better attitude about what you're doing and you, which is, could be different from before you left your desk. Um, it could help, you know, just in general with being frustrated around the house or with your kid, something like that. So it just, it, it has these like longer term effects that you don't even realize while you're doing it too. Right. 
Yes. It makes you a better human, right? That's, that's who we all want to be is better humans. And then if we're better humans, better people, it translates to every piece of our life, not just ourselves. So it's how we show up for our kids and our spouses and our family and our friends and our work and, you know, all of those things. Yeah, it's so true. It's, it's incredible. Thank you. This has been awesome. Before we wrap up, I would love to ask you um, one final question that I, that I ask a lot of our guests. And it's, if you could leave our audience with one piece of advice, what would it be? If, uh, so my one piece of advice would be wherever you sit in your life, in your job, in your career as a businesswoman, or just as a mom, or just as a human, really start to take a look at what makes you happy and really spend some time to figure that out. Um, I think you don't want to get halfway through life and say, how did I get here? Right. So really think about what makes you happy and then start getting, getting intentional about how you want the next step of your life to look like. And don't let life just unfold for you. We have just let life unfold for us. And we have oftentimes gone with the shoulds of what society has told us and deemed our position in life to be. And it is why people can't talk about their sexual orientation. It is why people can't feel comfortable telling other people they do, don't want to have kids. It's why people don't feel uncomfortable if they don't get married because there are societal norms that are being pushed upon us. And the only way to be fulfilled is to make sure that you're true to yourself. So that's my biggest thing I would love someone to take away with. So awesome. And so true. It's just, that's incredible how like that just is such a universal um, thought concept and everybody, like everybody can appreciate that, I think. Um, please tell us and or the audience, everybody, um, how they can find you and follow the work that you're doing in the world. I know you have your own podcast and, uh, and you have your own business. So, um, talk a little, if you could talk a little bit about that, that would be yeah. awesome. Yay. So, um, we'd love, so I have a couple of ways you can kind of really engage with me and my business partner. One is we do have a podcast. So if you are a podcast junkie, it's called Make Your Life Magnificent with Jackie and Mimi. And it is, we say it's for Gen X women, but it's truly for everybody. We touch on everything from perfectionism and expectations and all of the things that, that really make us human. So come on over and follow us there. If you are on Facebook, we have a, a community over 1400 strong called Just Gen X, talking business, career, and life with bold and brave women. And you don't have to be Gen X, but we really dig into all of the things. We do live coaching in there often. We help women build businesses. So it's a great place to be. And then you can always find us at www.therestingmind.com, which is our website and see all the things that we do. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jackie. This has been such a great conversation and absolute pleasure talking with you. Your work has certainly inspired me and um, I'm sure everybody will really enjoy listening to the conversation. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks, Megan. This was wonderful.